What I want to do this morning is actually follow up from what we've just been hearing is by doing a part two to the story of Gideon because I want to explore in a little detail just how Gideon goes from being a terrified man who has a low expectation of himself, his family, who struggles to believe the commissioning of God to becoming a mighty warrior who actually becomes a man who says, follow me, follow my lead, we're going to go down into the enemy's camp. I want to explore how we become men and women of faith, men and women who walk in the things that God has prepared in advance for us to do. How many of you know that God has good works and prepared in advance for you to do? He's got mighty things for you to do. He's got impossible areas that he wants you to invade and impossible things that he wants to do in and through you. And I want us to look at actually the journey that Gideon goes on because we're called to be like Gideon. We're called to be those who, who are mighty men and women of faith, who have adventures of faith, who, who do the things that we would have thought were overwhelming to us. And how do we grow in that? So if you've got a Bible, we'll be looking in Judges chapter 6, and we're going to be talking really about the power of intimacy and the power of obedience. Those two things, intimacy and obedience. Uh, when I was in my early 20s, the, one of the first things I ever did that was kind of for mission was I used to go to, with Walter, who was a man who got saved in his 40s, a man... Might need to go, yeah, the mic is on, but it might need to go up a little bit, actually, the, the time mic. Yeah, I used to go uh, to an old age people's home with a guy called Walter, who was, I think he was 80, nearly 90 when we used to go out. And he got saved when he was in his 40s. And uh, we always used to sing this song, trust and obey, trust and obey, to be happy in Jesus, trust and obey. How many of you know that old hymn? (laughs) Trust and obey, trust and obey, to be happy in Jesus, trust and obey. We used to sing that every time. And I think the story of Gideon is a story of intimacy and obedience, trusting and obeying. God takes him from a journey of being the timid man in the wine cellar, feeling that he is a nobody, the least in his family, in a family that's the least in the whole of Israel, and he goes to be this mighty warrior. And there are moments through the story where Gideon has these secret time moments with God, where God speaks to Gideon and reveals to him affirmation. He tells Gideon who he is. He tells Gideon who he is. And you can see that in chapter 6 and verse 12, that Gideon is saying, where are all the wonders? Where are all the wonders? Where are the mighty acts of God? That's a great prayer to say, where are the wonders? And God comes to Gideon and says, I'm going to do the wonders through you, mighty man of valour. An angel comes to him and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Where are the wonders? Well, I'll tell you where the wonders are. They're going to be coming through you, Gideon. You're going to be a wonder-working man. And God comes to him in the secret place and affirms him, tells him who he is. And prayer is that two-way place. You know, we speak to God and God wants to say something to us. In the secret place we've been hearing about, in that private place with God, God wants to come to us and he wants to say something to us about how he sees us. He wants to come and tell us his affirmation, his love. His affection. He wants to come and tell us that he delights over us with singing. He rejoices over us. 
that he's a really good father and he loves us deeply. It's a two-way street. There are these intimate exchanges in the private place with God where he comes and affirms you, comes and loves you, comes and says to you and you experience it, I am with you. I am with you. It's the wonderful thing about prayer. We're not praying to win his affection. We're not praying to win his love. We're coming to have a moment of exchange where we actually hear him say in that place, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's the key to becoming men and women who fulfil the calling of God. We've got to know that God's with us. We've got to have those two-way exchange moments where we hear him say, I'm with you. 1 Peter uh, 2.9, we can turn to that. It's a great verse on who we are, what we can hear in the private place. 1 Peter 2.9. These are the kind of things that God's going to be saying to you in the private place. You're, you're, you're chosen. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're God's special possession. Wow. That's a nice one. That the Lord of glory, king of the universe, the creator, comes to you and says, you are my special possession. I love you. You're my special one. Some of you need to hear that. You need to experience that. You are God's special possession. I think we all need to hear that, don't we? How many of you have got special possessions that you really treasure, you really look after? Special things. Not necessarily valuable in terms of how much they cost you, but they're special. They're your special possession. That you may declare praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. So Gideon has this private moment with God. He's got this cry, where are the wonders? Where are the miracles, God? Where are the things that you used to do? And Gideon comes to him, essentially, and tells him who he is, but also tells him that you're the mighty warrior. You're the mighty warrior. And sometimes we can look at our family and say, I want them to come to know Jesus. We can look at our community and say, we don't want the crime rate to be like it is. We don't want the unemployment to look like it is. We don't want the poverty to be like it is. We don't want the atmosphere of hopelessness to be as it is. We don't want people to be ignorant of Jesus like they are. Where are the wonders? We can hear that from Uganda saying, where are the wonders here? Where's the blind eye opening here? Where's the person getting out of a wheelchair here? Where's the tumour dissolving here? And that's what Gideon was saying. Where are the wonders? And God comes to Gideon and says, you're, you're, you are the one I'm going to use. <laughs> you're, the, you're the one I'm going to use. I'm with you and you're a mighty warrior. So when you hear a story and you say, I want to see that here, he comes to us and says, I want to use you. I want to use you. And so Gideon hears that and then God compels him to do something. There is a moment where he goes up and in front of just ten other people he has a private victory. 
God says to him, tear down the Asherah pole. Go tear down the place of worshipping foreign gods. Go and do something, Gideon. Go and do something. This is my first commission to you, Gideon. That I know in my heart, God says, I'm going to use you to release a whole nation and bring deliverance to a whole people to introduce a whole new day to a whole people. But first of all, I want you to do this in the secret place. There's going to be just ten people watching you. You see, we need to take these moments, they are very private moments where we just feel stirred by God to say, you could use me. And then we need to take obedient action and obedient steps with God and say, God, what does it look like for me to obey you in this? What does it look like for me to take a step forward in this? I feel a sense of fresh vigour and faith about seeing men and women saved. I've got a fresh appetite to see what I'm hearing break out here. Now, what does it mean for me to take a step of faith? For Tracy, we heard earlier on, it took, I'm going to write a letter to Nan about the gospel. For Dave, it was, I'm going to give you an opportunity, um, Nan, to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. And to nod if you're hearing. It's a very private thing. One-on-one in a hospital room. No one's looking. But it takes a lot of guts. How many of you know to tell family members you need Jesus? People you've known for 34 years. And they've not necessarily been hungry for Jesus. It looked like something. There's a step. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if you guys next... There'd be more people getting saved because... There's a step of obedience that creates boldness and courage. And that's what happened for Gideon. He pulled down the altar to Baal and everybody was ready to stone Gideon. Ready to say, he's pulled down Baal's altar. We want to stone him. And his dad says, well, if Baal is God, let Baal look after himself. There's a victory on the mountain in front of ten people that now is a victory amongst a bigger group of people. And now they're starting to say... Ah, Gideon, (laughs) we're going to give you a new name. So Gideon broke down Baal's altar. They gave him the name Birub Baal that day, saying, let Baal contend with him. He gets a new name. He gets a new name. There's an encounter with God in the intimate place. Gideon, I'm with you. Gideon, now there's going to be a moment of obedience and you're going to do something in front of ten people. Now a small group of people are impressed with Gideon I'm thinking, well, this is an interesting guy. <laughs> Maybe God's with this guy. He's got a new name. It's gotta be, there's got to be something. There's got to be some action. Remember when we went to Bethel for the first time and uh, Bethel and Redding, California, where they see lots of people healed and never really been somebody who'd gone up to the sick in the street and prayed for them. But I'd seen something, experienced something, felt a commission of God. And we saw this guy with a plaster cast outside the hotel room. I thought, I've got to seal this God. Because I've not just come here to hear things and see things. I've come here to take something with me. And I remember praying, saying, can I pray for your arm? I didn't check if his arm was better. It was more, off. (laughs) But for me, it sealed something. Because there was a moment of timid, maybe, Not hugely courageous obedience, just taking a step that I knew in my heart. I've got a personal victory here. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. This is possible. Remember we went on the high street and we said to a guy who had a bad neck, you know, Jesus can heal your neck. I don't know if I necessarily had a super faith that I really believed he could. 
But I just knew that's the sort of thing you need to say to get something done. <laughs> and nothing happened. And I said to God, now that's not normal. Yeah. The normal is, I, I say, Jesus, you can heal that, and he gets healed. So you go back to God and say, undo my unbelief. <laughs> Let me be ignited in faith. And we saw him again. We got to pray. And he said, yeah, my neck's a bit better. Pray for him again. Yeah, it's a lot better. We saw him on the high street in, in October. How's your neck? It's, it's been fine. It's, it's healed. Or he didn't say it's healed. It's better. Thank you very much. That seals something in your head. You're thinking there's a moment of risk and obedience between, I think Diana was there and then Katrina was there. Just three of us and one man, something happened. Suddenly you've got a testimony. Someone's got healed in a shop on Plumstead High Street. And it just starts with that moment. I'm, I'm learning who I am. Now what's the next step? So Gideon goes from being, I'm timid, angel, calling me a mighty warrior. I think you're a little bit enthusiastic. I think you might have been in a really exciting meeting in heaven. Got a little bit enthusiastic. You're coming and saying this word over me. I want to give you some history about myself so you won't think so highly of me. And he goes from that to, okay, I'm afraid. I'm going at night so no one can see me. Just ten others. I'm pulling that down. Oh, I've got a new name. I've got a testimony. Maybe I am a mighty warrior. Maybe you are going to deliver Israel through me. Maybe you're going to do it through me. Do you see how it starts? One or two stories. Ooh, maybe we can transform Plumstead. He's with us. Can we start imagining with you, God? And so Gideon starts to believe that maybe God can do what he said. <coughs> and he says in verse 36... If you will save Israel by my hand as you promised, look, I will place a wool fleece. And there's a moment where he just needs to know. I've got to be assured, he's saying. You're saying something really big to me here. It's one thing to believe and go up the mountain and pull down an altar. You're saying go to war against thousands and thousands and thousands because the people were beginning to gather for war. I mean, this is life or death stuff. This is life or death stuff. And Gideon just needs to know for sure. And I think that's why God sometimes comes to us again and again and again. And gives, sometimes it's dreams. Sometimes it's prophecy. Sometimes it's just encouragement. He just comes to us again and again and again to assure us. This is how I see you. This is how I view you. You're a mighty warrior, Gideon. So Gideon puts the fleece and he says, let the fleece be wet. And then he says, let everywhere else be dry. And then he reverses it. He just needs to know God's with him. And there's these moments in private with God where we come and say, I've got to know you're with me, God. I've got to know that I didn't make this up. I've got to know that it wasn't just I ate a lot of cheese one night and I dreamt of an angel saying mighty warrior because if, if I've got this wrong, I'm dying and everybody with me is dying. And so he has to know. He's got to know. And so there's this moment of private interchange with God. Tell me who I am, God. Tell me you're with me. Tell me you're going to do this through me. I'm starting to believe. I've got a testimony. I know I'm not a victim. I'm starting to believe I'm not the least in my family and my tribe is not the least in the whole of Israel that we can really do this, God. I just need to know. 
So God does that, and God will do that. And then there's this amazing account in chapter 7 of Judges, where God says, I don't want you believing, essentially, that it was the might of your own strength that's going to do this. So Gideon, starting to believe, he's got the assurance, he's got the prophetic promise, he knows God's with him, he's got 22,000 people in the army, and God says 22,000, that's too many. That's too many. Anybody who's afraid, you can go home. Anybody in the 22,000 who's a little nervous about going to war, you can all go home. 12,000 go home. Okay, we've still got 10,000. 10,000 is a really good army. You can do some damage with 10,000. That's some real strength and that's some real power. 10,000 of us, we can do this. And God says, that's too many still. I don't want you having a great victory and then boasting that you did it yourself. Because God is always wanting connection. He's always wanting relationship. He's always wanting us to know that whatever we did, it was through him. That's why he wants us close. He's not interested in just saying, you get on with it on your own and I'm watching. I want to do it with you as a father and son. I want to do it with you as me being the vine and you being a branch. I want to do it with you knowing that you know that you can do nothing without me. I want you to know that you can do nothing without me. He wants us to know that. And so he says, if they drink like this, they're in. If they drink like that, they're out. It says in verse 4, But the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin, thin them out for you there. If I say, this one shall go, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord said to him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest of them got down on their knees to drink. So there he says, I want the ones who drink like dogs. <laughs> You're the army. You're the 300. You're right, we're going to go, Gideon, mighty man of valour. We've lost 21,700. They've all gone home. It's you, Gideon, mighty man of valour, and the 300 against a vast army. And in verse 33 of chapter 6, it says, Actually, the Midianites and Amalekites and the other eastern peoples had joined and crossed the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. There was this huge army and they had camels. And east in those days, if an army had camels, they were a superior force than people on foot. So Gideon, mighty man of valour, you and 300 against all these peoples and they've got camels. And God says to Gideon, if you're, are you afraid? And Gideon says... Yes, actually, I am afraid. He says in verse 10, If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Ah, oh, I love God. He, he doesn't say, Gideon, you mustn't have any fear. You mustn't be shaking in your boots. You mustn't be intimidated. He just says to Gideon, are you afraid? 
Because I know I've puzzled you. I know I've puzzled you. Because you think winning a war is about how many people you've got, don't you? You think it's about how much strength you've got. You think it's about human resources, don't you, Gideon? Yeah, I do, because that's how wars are won, God. No, 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 I, I, I know I've puzzled you, but the odds don't intimidate me. I think the odds are fun. They intimidate you, though, don't they, Gideon? Yeah. They intimidate me. Actually, they make me afraid. Okay, you're afraid. I want you to go to the place of your greatest fear, and I'm going to speak to you there. You're afraid. You're going to hear something there that you couldn't hear now in the private place, but you're going to hear it in the terrifying place. I'm going to speak to you there, Gideon. Can you see the pattern? Mighty man of valour. Just in front of ten people. Got a new name. Got a new testimony. Oh, I'm starting to believe God. You really could do it through me. Oh, I'm going to strip back the odds to puzzle you. I know you're afraid. Now go to what you fear most. I'm going to speak to you there. And so he goes down and he overhears someone having a dream and giving an interpretation. So Gideon, with one servant now, going to the place he's most terrified of. And just as Gideon arrived, just as a man, I love this, just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. I found a loaf of barley bread came to, a, a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent <laughs> with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the early Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hand. Just as he arrived, Gideon hears something. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp and cried out, Get up! He's now got confidence. Get up! The Lord has given Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into companies, three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars into the hands of them all with torches inside. Watch me, he told them, and follow my lead. I want you just to see the journey of this man doing things that terrified him. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. To do something. Faith looks like something. Faith looks like going on a mountain at night when you're terrified in front of ten people and doing something. Faith looks like going with one person into the enemy's camp and hearing something. Quaking in your boots. Terrified. And in that place... God meets with him. Gives him his next move forward. There's a story in Exodus 14 that Israel have just left Egypt. They were slaves there for 400 years. God delivers them by the hands of Moses. They've seen ten mighty miracles that got them out of the land. They're then faced with the Red Sea in front of them, they've got Egypt behind them, and they all start panicking, saying, oh, you took us out here to die. And Moses says, no, watch, we're going to see God do something today. Moses speaks to God, and God's response to Moses, what are you asking me to do? Why are you crying out to me? Move forward. Why are you crying out to me to do something? Move forward, hold up your staff, it's going to part. 
I just want to say, sometimes some of us have been stuck in the wine press and terrified for years. It's because we need to move forward. It's trust and obey. It's trust and obey. It's trust and obey. It looks like something. Sometimes in that place where we're most terrified is where we get our greatest breakthrough. Heard about a guy who was absolutely petrified of answering the phone. For him to go down into the Midianite camp was to pick up the phone and answer it. That's how he broke his fear. Sometimes we can be absolutely terrified about money. Fearing, will we have enough finance? Will we have enough finance? I don't believe I can give to God. Trust and obey can be, actually I'm just going to obey and give. Sometimes we feel, I want to be someone who prays for the sick on the street. I want to see the breakthroughs. And we, we know that for us, going treasure hunting is that place of going to the Midianite camp that absolutely petrifies us and terrifies us. And it's in that place that God is going to speak. It's in that place that we're going to hear something. He's going to whisper to our souls. He's going to say something. Jamie, that's right. The sick should get healed when we pray for them. That's the right conclusion you have there. Let's go again. Let's go again. Let's go again. What does it mean for you to move forward? What does it mean for you to move forward? What does it mean for you to trust and obey? What does it mean for you to be like maybe like King David, who before he slew Goliath, fought the lion and fought the bear in private, where he learned to use the slingshot in private, and then there was a public victory? What does it mean for you for God to say, Dear son, dear daughter, I am with you. Now move forward. What does it mean for us as a local church to move forward? To grow into the things that God is saying to us to believe for. That buckets of his presence are going to percolate into our community. That men and women are going to come to know Jesus. That we're here to see the atmosphere of this whole area transformed by good news. That we're here to see with other local churches that poverty is impacted, that hopelessness is impacted, that the environment looks different that because we are here, because believers are here, that people start to love one another in a greater way because Christians are in this area. What does it mean for us to say, God, we believe for something in this area. He comes to us and says, CCK, I love you and I'm with you. Mighty Church of Valor. Mighty church of valour. Mighty people. Mighty big men and women of valour. I've got adventures for you to do. The first thing is just go up in front of a few and pull down something and do something here in very private places. But I want you to know I'm with you. Can I ask you to stand? I'm going to pray for us. Maybe for you it's this week saying, God, I've always wanted to invite my friend to a Christmas service. I'm going to do that. Maybe it, will be, maybe it will be to offer prayer for the sick, the neighbour. It's in the context of risk and faith that you see the miraculous power and provision of God. It's in the context of sometimes doing something that terrifies us. We see his provision and we see his breakthrough. He loves to take churches that look like Gideon. He 
He loves to take people who say, we're the least and we're small. Don't think so highly of us, God. (laughs) Please leave us alone. Don't think so highly of us, God. And he takes us by the hand and he leads us on so that we have a testimony, so that we get a new name, so that we become people who, though we tremble, we obey. Yeah, so we want to thank you, God, that you have spoken to us so many times about your assessment of us. We thank you that you are so kind and so loving, that you repeat sometimes the same thing again and again and again and again to us, because you know that we're just like Gideon. Sometimes we have those needs for the fleece to be wet and the fleece to be dry, and God, we're so overcome sometimes with timidity, but God... You love to work with us. That you love process. You love process. It's going to read a prophetic word over us that God spoke to me about a month, two months ago. And I just want to prophesy that into any who are facing impossible odds, impossible circumstances. And we, we speak it into our community as well and say this is our corporate thing as well. And I'm going to say it going to use the word CCK, but you can put your own name in it. CCK, you'll see Moses and Red Sea moments. You have to have an impossible situation to have an impossible breakthrough. You have to have a dead area to have a resurrection. With a word, I can make something out of nothing. My words create reality. I want you to be convinced that I'm going to do it. I love what Irving was saying then about that there's just a yes and amen when we're in that secret place. I want you to be convinced I'm going to do it. I want you to be convinced today, church, that you're going to see people saved. I want us to be convinced that we're going to see 40 men and women born again, coming in here, broken down walls who are going to need to be repaired by us. They're going to be our spiritual mums and dads. I want you to be convinced that you're going to see it. Yeah, I want you to be convinced we are called to be fruitful. We're called to be fruitful. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. It's to the glory of the Father that we bear much fruit. This truth is igniting hope and increasing the level of me released through you. He's the God of all hope and when we get filled with hope, we leak out hope. Be overwhelmed with who Jesus is. God says, I'm so confident of victory I really don't care what the odds are. I really don't care what the odds are. I always know what to do. Stand still and watch me win this one. The battle is mine. See yourself as bigger than any mountain you are facing. And then he says, this is our partnership with him. Let's paint this picture together. It's more fun when you lay down what it's going to look like And we paint together something that is beyond what you could paint, what you could ask, or what you could imagine. Simply embrace me and what I do. I'm forming a childlike cry in you, what's next, Papa? What's next, Dad? (laughs) What's next, God? What's next? So let's all, can we cry out for our area and and, and cry out for ourselves? Because if we are his hands and his feet. There are times to, I just thought actually there are times to cry out, God, you do something. But I think he's given us a very, very clear commission. We are his ambassadors of reconciliation into this world. We're pronouncers of life to dead places. 
We're people who bring resurrection wherever we go. Let's pray over ourselves. Let me believe the assessments of heaven. Let me be in agreement with who God says I am. Let me believe that wherever I go, I'm a hope bringer. I'm a carrier of the kingdom. I'm a releaser of good news. That God, you're never intimidated by the odds. You're not intimidated by my areas of weakness or my areas of anxiety or fear. With just a single word, you can change things. We just say that over dead areas come to life in Jesus' name. To areas that need resurrection, we say, let resurrection come in Jesus' name. We say to Red Seas, be parted in Jesus' name. Let breakthroughs come all around us, God. We take the testimony of Dave's, of Dave's mother-in-law and Tracy's nan. After 34 years, suddenly there's a Red Sea moment. Suddenly there's a God speaking in and she's saved. And we just say that over our lives, God. Let things open up. Let there be resurrection in Jesus' name. Let's be fully convinced of who you are. Fully persuaded that you are who you say you are. Amen. 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 We're going to finish there. Love to pray for any who who are still sick. From maybe the, the, you felt God be do, began to do something. We'd love to see that all the way complete. Love to pray for you for for complete healing or, or other things that weren't weren't spoken about. Yeah.